Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Parma podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome back to the show. Um, and uh, yeah, I've got another great guest with me today. Um, I'm really excited about this guest because uh, of the conversation we're going to have. Uh, and I've been really enjoying his uh, his his work recently. And uh, Trace Bell, welcome to the show. Hi, James. Thank, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited um, to get to have a conversation with you on your podcast. We've had very interesting conversations in the past. So the fact that we get to you know, do one on your podcast now is, is really, it's going to be really fun. It is. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, we've done some, uh, uh, Trace, by the way, yes, the elephant in the room. I think I should probably just name that. Um, he is, um, he's Rob Bell's son. Um, you may well know Rob Bell. He's been, he's been on the show before. Um, and yeah, Trace has been doing some, um, podcasts with, with Rob, uh, and, um, doing this thing called Saturday school as well, which has been really, really amazing. And Trace has been hosting some discussion groups outside of that where we've had these conversations before. So um, I'm really excited to share this with you. And uh, so just tell us a bit about kind of first, as a kind of introduction, your journey into kind of all this work that you're doing now, all the things that you're talking about now, where that kind of all began. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think I've always, I've, I've talked about on the, the recent podcast I've done, um, having uh, from a young from a young age, I had deep metaphysical questions about life and and questions. I was always fit, fascinated by the mystery of consciousness. What is consciousness? Um, so that was something that I sort of um, explored. Uh, that was something that I explored as a, as a young kid, and something that there were some questions about all that that really sort of sat at the heart for me. Um, I people are very surprised when I when I well most people are very surprised when I tell them this um, that I was actually I was never religious and I never actually considered myself Christian. Um, I didn't really grow up. My dad was obviously um, a Christian teacher and rising. Uh, he was he was rising up in the Christian world and, and preaching at a massive megachurch. Um, but I wasn't. I never really found a religion that interesting to me. I never really found. I just never really gravitated towards Christianity or religion of any kind. Um, and then I graduated. I graduated from UCLA about uh, a little less than a year ago. Um, and then I sort of became UCLA sort of forced me. I, I joked that UCLA sort of forced me onto um, this the spiritual journey because UCLA was so um, it was so kind of soulless and it was so um, it was the height of academia and it showed me how hollow that life can be that's only about um, using the head, thinking only using um, the intellect and and just viewing life in this sort of uh, rational, logical way that's only about logic and rationality. That experience at UCLA was so like, it just showed me exactly where I don't want to go and, what, and how I don't want to uh, orient myself towards life. So after graduating from UCLA, um, I got, I got uh, much more into exploring those original questions I had as a kid. Um, and I kind of, I've always been interested in spirituality, but I got much more serious about it within the past, um, within the past year. Um, and I really had to started to have bigger, um, bigger awakenings. And I started to have awakenings that really, um, sort of, um, answered why answer, help me answer why I always had those questions as a kid. Um, and then, and then I started teaching with my dad. So it's kind of been, um, that's maybe like the, the best way I could sort of succinctly sort of map my spiritual journey, but it's obviously been, um, over the course of a, of a while now. Uh, but those were sort of the main sort of factors. 
Yeah, yeah. And you talk about you talked. I've heard you talk before about your kind of your journey into awareness, um, your awareness of yourself as Trace and having this experience as Trace. And tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So, so as a kid, I talk about how um, when the thing that always interested me most, and the thing that always perplexed me most, I felt like there was this this mystery at the heart of of my life and the heart of experience, which was. Um, okay, there's, there's this whole identity as Trace and I, I interact in the world as Trace. Um, but my identity, it felt like my identity had to be deeper than Trace because there was I was also aware of Trace. There was also a deeper awareness, a deeper consciousness that was aware of Trace and Trace's life. Um, so I talk about how uh, one of my favorite things to do as a kid was uh, I used to listen to music um, and I, I, I've always loved listening to music. But as a kid, I used to listen to music and I used to ask myself, wait, who is this experience of listening to music happening to? Because if I say that this experience of listening to music, if it's Trace that this experience is happening to, if it's Trace that's hearing this music, there's also an awareness that's aware of Trace. And as where, that awareness that's aware of Trace is also aware of the music that's playing as well. So if I say, I, I view myself as the perceiver, I'm the perceiver of my experience. And if I say that Trace is the perceiver of my experience, Trace is something I'm perceiving. So there was something that was like, wait, hold on a second. There seems to be a deeper, there seems to be a deeper self that's perceiving this whole experience. And that felt to me that that's when I say I was mi- like mystified by what is consciousness. There's trace, but then there's a the consciousness that's aware of trace. Um, and that was, I didn't have the word as a young kid. I didn't have the words to articulate that mystery. Like I didn't even really consciously know what I was doing when I was listening to music. I know now that's called what's called self-inquiry, which is actually like a, a spiritual practice, um, which is self-inquiry, inquiring into the nature of self. And, and the question in self-inquiry is, um, who is having this experience? Who is the one aware right now? It's, it's a constant going back to um, who, who is actually experiencing, who is having this experience right now. So I was doing self-inquiry as a little kid. <laughs> I just didn't know it. And I didn't really have the words for it. Um, but that was really mm-hmm. the mystery to me was, what is this awareness? It's aware of trace. I know there, there, there has to be a deeper, deeper self than just this body and just this organism. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny actually that you mentioned that because now I think about a lot of the times where I've put music on and I just got lost that phrase lost in the music. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have had this experience too, where you like, especially when you put headphones on and you're just, and you get so wrapped up in the energy of the music that your body just starts doing things on its own almost. And like, you're almost, in your, and when you close your eyes, you're almost in your body, and it's almost like your body is having an experience and your consciousness is having an experience, and they're almost two separate things, but they're almost together. Oh, totally, right? totally. And yeah, it's, it's like a like when people talk about having a spiritual experience when they listen to music, like that's what that is. I think it's a it's that you're you're almost getting lost in your awareness, and your body is just yeah, you're having you're having an experience of your body which is separate from your body, but also your body is almost is in that. And you've talked about this, how your body is in you, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Talk a bit about that. Actually, that's, that's an interesting, interesting topic. Yeah. So, um, one, of, so the, the, that was, yeah, that was one of the, the episodes we did on Saturday school, which is called the body in you. So we typically, we typically, um, most people go around the world feeling like they, what they are, whether that be a soul spirit um, brain, it's, it's somewhere in the body. Like they're, they're, they're something that's, they're in this physical body and they're, and they're in this physical world, but what they are is in the body. Um, and what we were doing 
what we did at Saturday school and, and, and the way we tried to, to reframe that was when you actually try to locate, like when you actually try to locate yourself within the body, you actually can't locate where you directly are within the body because most people think that there are these bodies, but if we took away your arm, if we took away your leg, you'd still say you were you. If we took away, if we tried to locate where you are in the body, we can't really pinpoint where you are in the body. But we, so when we try to locate our sense of self in the body, it's like we, we can't pinpoint it, we can't locate it. What we do know of the body is we know the body is a series of sensations and perceptions that happen within awareness or happen within consciousness. Um, so what we do, so, so we're taking a step back and going, actually, what we know of the body is what's happened what's is is what's happened in consciousness and we actually can't locate where consciousness or awareness is in the body so we're refra- we're we're taking a reframing the idea that you are somewhere in the body and actually the body is something that appears within you so basically the whole point of saturday school was we were trying to um just take have everyone take a step back and just realize that there's a larger identity here that everything is happening within there's a there's a so many people are so wrapped up in they're believing that their identity is only these bodies, only this mind, and they're interacting in the world based on that way. So they believe that when this body and this mind die, then their identity goes with it. Um, that's like the the dominant sort of materialist science scientific perspective is that you're born with this brain that produces consciousness, and when the brain dies, consciousness is done. So it's believing that your identity rests, is produced by this organism, is in this organism. And basically what we're doing is just taking a step back and going, actually... There's this larger identity that's always in the background that's perceiving all of this. And this identity um, is something the body happens within rather than it being somewhere you can pinpoint in the body. Yeah, absolutely. And that had been my experience as well. Uh, um, so much of what we talked about in those in those Saturday schools resonated with me. Um, because you would think I was thinking I was doing some meditating and this is something that you talked about in one of those schools was like trying to become aware of your awareness as soon as you become aware of it, you're not, you're not, it's, it's not, you're, it's, you're, you're not there anymore. It's like what you're aware of is not your awareness. Um, and actually, I think I made this point in one of the, one of the um, discussion groups that it's almost the opposite of like those particles that only exist when they're observed. Like you can't observe, or you can't observe your awareness because as soon as you observe it, it's not your awareness anymore because you're aware of you, you're aware yeah. of what you're observing. So it's, yeah. um, it's like almost you can't. There's no way you can locate your consciousness, your awareness, yeah. because it's always because as soon as you notice it, you're observing it from somewhere else. Yeah, um, totally. Because you, because awareness or consciousness, um, it's not an object that you can be aware of. That's the thing that I think a lot of. That's the misconception is that our mm-hmm. mind can only think in objects and things. The mind can only identify and turn its attentions out towards objects which is beautiful. It's how we operate in the world. It's how we understand things. It's how I know that there's a computer right here. It's how I know that there's hands right here. These are objects that I'm aware of. Now, when we're talking about awareness, we're not talking about, we're not talking about an object that you can be aware of. We're actually talking about the subject of experience. So anytime we try to pinpoint or locate the subject of experience or a subject, when, when I say that, when I try to locate the subject, I am just turning it into another object because I'm demonstrating that I'm aware of it. So it's where this is why these, this this teaching is so tricky because you're trying to use words to express something that can't really be expressed with words because anything anytime I any word I say about awareness anytime I try to locate awareness or or pinpoint it I'm turning what can never be made an object I'm turning it into an object. So Ken Wilber the philosopher has a great 
um, phrase about um, about awareness where he calls it absolute subjectivity, which he calls which is, what he means by that is that it's the that which can never be made an, an object. It's absolute subjectivity that can never be made into an object. So that's the really tricky thing about awareness is you're not trying to you're not trying to find or see anything. It's the thing that actually it's the thing that's seen everything. So you can't actually see it like an object. Um, yeah, so it's exactly. it's not a it's a relaxing back rather than trying to find something. It's a relaxing yeah. back to what you've always been. You've always been aware your whole life. Every experience you've had has happened within this awareness. You don't have to try to do anything to become this awareness. You already are it. Um, so it's very tricky. And yeah, it is. And I, it's interesting because I've done a lot of a lot of work around grief and processing grief and trauma and um, leaving you know, people who listen to this show know my story. And um, I've had a couple of transcendent experiences with, with my mother, mm. um, which I talked about on this show, but are worth, worth repeating for this context because I, I remember being in a, in a, in a service of a, a small service for about 20 people. And we were doing some chanting, like Taze chanting. And uh, some of it was in French and my mother was a French teacher who spoke fluent French, right? And I just, I, the thing is, I can't even remember. My, I can't even remember exactly what happened. I just think it makes it even more mysterious. It, but I just remember that one minute I was singing this chant, and the next minute it was like there was. It was like almost I was outside of, almost outside of time. Almost mm-hmm. it was just having a moment with this, with my mother's consciousness, mm-hmm. like. I was laughing with her that I was getting the French words wrong, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like this separateness from everything else. And I didn't even notice it was happening. And I remember like, even after the service had finished, I was still like in this state, which was almost like, it almost felt like this energy around me. Like I was outside of anything else and no one noticed this, but it, it was there and I could feel it. It was only when I sat down and wrote it down and journaled about it that, I realized what 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 had been happening, and it was almost as if I mean I've been to, I've I've talked about quantum entanglement and how our uh, you know how um, stuff gets attached to atoms, right? And we're all made of atoms, and like you know, our, and atoms come and go and stuff. So, and if you but quantum entanglement is about bonding with if something bonds with an atom, like, um, and I'm not a scientist. Um, but that, and you make, and you have a bond with that, with that, with that, with a person that that had one of those atoms. That maybe you can connect with a consciousness through connecting with one of those atoms. Like, and mm-hmm. I, I, this is just a theory that, like, I had. I, I was there. I was thinking about it. Like, well, I've had experiences with my mother. Like, of just her knowing she's there, knowing her consciousness or spirit is there, and they were real. So, how does that happen? You know, and. Uh, and it just got me thinking about quantum entanglement. I think maybe that's how this all works out. Maybe that's what kind of eternal life looks like. When people talk about eternal life is like, you know, our awareness, our consciousness kind of existing outside. Like you say, outside, our bodies exist in our awareness. So when our bodies die, maybe part of our awareness or consciousness is bonded to those atoms or something. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But, you know, it's one of those things that a lot of scientific breakthroughs have come after people have come up with the idea um yeah imagined the idea that's possible i think um we'll get onto time in a minute but somebody talked about i'm sure somebody talked about time being bendy before einstein started talking about it um yeah so 
Yeah, I mean that's just a theory. <laughs> but yeah, and I think the, it, I think the future of oh sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I think the 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 future we're gonna have a my my dad and I have talked about the sort of spiritual paradigm shift that's coming in in the world um, soon, and I think the the big shift is going to be mainstream science sort of changing its paradigm into it's so sort of it's so entrenched in materialism right now, which is that what your your consciousness just is something that's produced by your brain your consciousness is something that's produced by material interactions and like obviously so many people like you have had the experience of um interacting with someone who has passed like your your mother's identity was not so tied into her body when your mother's body deceased she her identity was still living in some way her consciousness her spirit whatever word you want to put to it it wasn't so tied to the body and i think that's the idea right now um the in that a lot of people have that prevents like that that limits them so much spiritually and limits them so much from understanding a larger identity is because they're understanding their identity is just something that's just this body and just this mind and it's that then so there's so much fear about death when this body and mind dies then i must die too if i'm just tied in with it but i think that the future of the future of um more scientific breakthroughs as as it relates to this and the the integration of spirituality and science that's coming more in the future is one that's just seen that actually what we are isn't being the body is something is a more of a process that happens within our identity rather than our identity being produced by this by this process right here um and i think that's the big shift right there yeah and i'm feeling i've really felt that in the last few years that there's there is that shift happening but it's it's very I just had this, I've always had this sense that it's way bigger than we could comprehend or understand or explain. And like, as soon as you can explain it, then you kind of, you've missed it. Um, and and kind of, that kind of brings us on to talking about time because, um, which I think is fascinating. And I've been reading, I've been reading a lot about time and um, recently as well. And um, absolutely fascinating subject. And you've been talking about it with, um, with your dad on, on, you know, on Saturday school and podcasts and things. Um, so tell us what you've been learning about time and what that means and how we, how we perceive time and how we need to learn to perceive time. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Um, oh man, I could, I could talk about time all day. Um, so, so, um, man, where do I even start? So to me, the most, the most interesting thing about time, and this is going to sound kind of, this is, this is going to sound kind of strange, but I'm just, I'm going to have to explain it is we never actually experience time. We don't ever actually experience time as we conceive of it because the idea of time is that there's a past, present, future that somehow that there's that we move through in. So there's there's the future, the present that we're living in right now. There's a past back there. There's a future in in front of us, and that's kind of the idea of time. Now the crazy thing is, if we actually look in our direct experience, we never actually experience that time because if you say there's the past that's back there. But have, can we go back and experience the past? We can't actually go back and experience what's called the past. And if we say that there's a future out there, we can't actually go and experience what's called the future. We only ever experience the now, right now. Now, the concept of a past and future, if I want to think about the past, the, uh, all I can, the only time I can access the past is right now. I can only think about the past right now. And the only time I can think about the future, any conception I have about the future, is taking place right now. So there, the the idea of time is that there's this there's this present snapshot that we have right now. 
There's also this previous snapshot, and there's also this future snapshot that's coming some at some point. But all we ever have is this present snapshot, and the only place that that subs that um, previous and that subsequent snapshot are ever accessed is right here. So the idea of a temporal flow that's moving from past to future is actually um, it's a it's a cognitive construct. It's actually something that our mind is it's our it's our way our, it's the way our mind conceptualizes this present moment, which is always here, always right now. And neuroscience is actually showing this. Neuroscience is showing this too. Neuroscience is showing us that um, this idea of a temporal linear flow from past to future is a cognitive construct that our that our minds create. So the reason now some people hear this and are just like, well, isn't that just a, you know, isn't that just kind of like semantics? Like, isn't that just, okay, we're, we're always living now. So what, but this actually has very radical spiritual implications. And there's a reason that so many spiritual traditions constantly coming, come back to living in the now spiritual traditions. Don't just talk about living in the now just cause it's, you know, just cause you want to be present. It's actually, it goes so much deeper than that. The, because the now actually it, when I talk about awareness, awareness is synonymous with, the now and the now is all that there is. So um, the re- on the on the recent uh, Robcast episode, I talked about a new understanding of the word eternal because we usually think of the word eternal or eternity as meaning lasting forever in time. So we take the word eternal and we sort of bring it down to this idea of linear time, a past, present, future, and like eternity. If you live, if you have eternal life, or it talks about obviously in the Bible, like eternal life that t- people typically conceptualize that as, oh, I must be living forever in time if I have eternal life. But actually what eternal means is actually outside of time or beyond time. Now, uh, the reason I, and, and then, so I talked about how the, what we know of time, we only know right now. And what we know of time is a thought, a thought that's occurring in your awareness right now. So if you, James, if you think about any past event in your life, that's a thought that's occurring for you right now in your awareness. If you think about any future thing that's going to happen, that's a thought that's occurring right now in your awareness. Yep. So what what I the, the what I was saying is that actually awareness, the now moment, is actually eternal, which does not mean that it lasts forever in time. It actually means it's beyond time because it's the very thing that time is happening within. And that sounds to some people that sounds like some abstract metaphysical concept, but that's actually what we experience in our direct experience right now. We experience time as something what's outside of time awareness is actually what's experiencing the thought that's creating time right now. So I was basically trying to you already are living eternally right now because you're outside your awareness is outside of time right now. So when you had that experience with your mom where it felt like you were outside of time, that's your your consciousness, your awareness, it was outside of time, which means which means it's eternal, which does not mean that it's living forever. It actually means it's just beyond time. It's aware of the very thing that creates time. The now, the now is not a moment that's moving through time. Time is something that moves through this now moment. Um, so it's a radical recontextualization and, and paradigm flip from the typical linear conception of time that most people have. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the perfect response to that. <laughs> no, and I've been reading about time. Yeah, time is kind of bendy. You know, it it moves differently wherever you are. So, like, I mean, perfect example. You're in um, LA right now. Hey, I'm um, in Chicago right now. But well, Chicago, just no, right. Yeah, yeah. Chicago. Okay, well, we're in different time zones, basically. Yeah. So for you, it's 
looking on the clock, I don't know what time it is, what, uh, 12, 12, 12.30 or something. For me, it's 8.30. But we're talking. And yeah. it's at, at this time. Like, we're, we're talking to each other right now in this moment. It doesn't, and it, what else on the clock is irrelevant. We're, we're having this moment right now. And whoever's listening to this show is listening to this at another time. And they're having this experience in there now, whenever that is. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's nothing, it's not, you're right, it's not about past, but time is a kind of a construct which moves through us rather than us being trapped within it, if that makes yep. sense. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just, um, no, that's that's absolutely, and, and, and that's when time feels sort of warpy and it's like, well, you know, time flies when you're having, when you're, time flies when you're having fun and there's all these sayings about how time like moves differently and is warpy. To me, that's just pointing to the fact that it's actually just a, a cognitive construct, like how much our minds are actually what's creating the feeling of time passing. But time itself is not actually passing because there's only the now, which is just standing still. The now is we don't feel the now, this present move, present moment moving through time. You know, you don't feel it moving from left to right. You just feel it right now still. Um, so the way that our minds then conceptualize that is going to feel it's going to feel warpy at sometimes. It's going to feel different. It's going to feel moving faster. It's going to feel moving slower. It's like when we start to understand the way that time is more malleable, it helps us understand how it's more a product of the mind rather than an absolute fixed reality. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, and that thing about losing track of time, um, I'm, I'm convinced that, that those things that when we do them, we, we use that phrase, lose track of time, are basically when we do them, the construct of time that our mind produces just our mind stops producing it. We just, because we are fully present in what we're doing wholly, completely. Um, maybe because we love it, maybe because it's part of who we are, maybe because it's just, yeah, it brings us joy, but our mind then loses the, loses the construct of time and just immerses ourselves in that moment. And then almost time doesn't exist. Like, um, I remember writing, and I've said this, told this story, I think, but when I was writing my first book years ago, I was writing a chapter and I started writing and then I, I stopped writing and I looked at the clock and it was like three and a half hours or something. And I hadn't even noticed, literally hadn't even noticed. Um, and because I was so caught up in telling this story, because mm. I was so caught up in writing this chapter that time didn't exist in that mm. moment. It was just me and me and my computer and writing that book. Um, yeah, and we all have those moments, you know, when it's you know, in whatever it is that brings us joy, whether it's you know, a relationship or or something with something to do with work or an experience we're having in our life, we all have those moments, and where we just and maybe we need to learn to drop the construct of time more. And that's not to say that it's not useful because time as a construct can be useful, it can like it helps us. Uh, get to places <laughs> and be on and kind of you know like get to work and get to meet with other people and it's it's a useful but when you see it as a construct rather than as something you have to follow the rules of in that in, in that sense it's it's a whole different thing and that you can use it as a tool if that makes sense that's that's certainly what right. i got when i was listening to you and you and your dad talk about time the other day yeah yeah. So yeah, because we, what we were doing, we were trying to do with that episode is not try to demonize time or make thinking in time bad. It's just to understand time as a concept, a very helpful concept and tool that we use to interact in our lives. Like I have to have some concept of time 
like for when when I was going to hop on the call with you, like when when they're, they're, we use time to interact in our lives and it's very helpful. The problem the problem becomes when we take these concepts and mistake them for like absolute fixed realities. So if you look at like a lot of people's spirituality, um, a lot of their questions regarding spirituality are they've taken their spirituality and sort of tried to fit it down into this fixed idea of time. So it's like, will my soul live on forever? Will there be an afterlife? Will I, you notice how many questions are questions of, uh, will I live forever in time? So they start asking the, the, they're sort of wondering if their identity lives in time rather than wondering if time lives in their identity. So that's, that to me is, is like, you think about the, the, the fundamentalist that wants to live his life, um, perfectly so that he, and, and follow all the, the rules of the scripture so that he can live in the, so he can have an afterlife. Um, so he can extend his time living, but then he starts using the present moment. He starts using this now moment as a vehicle to just ensure that there's time later in the future. So the irony of that is that he's using the only moment that ever is the now as a vehicle to somehow ensure that he gets future now moments. So it actually takes him the very desire to have more time and the desire to have, to ensure that your identity lives forever in time actually takes you out of the space that's beyond time, which is right now. Um, so that's, so in, in, that's what we were trying to do with the, with the episode is just have a, a paradigm shift into rather than understanding this linear, this I, linear idea of time as a fixed reality, actually establish the primacy of the now and actually our spirituality should all be about the now and understanding that time, this whole idea of time is only accessed and only exists within the now. So just like the, rather than awareness being in the body and seeing that the body is in awareness, rather than seeing um, us being in time, we're now seeing time being in us. So it's a constant stepping back into a larger identity that everything is unfolding within. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it's all connected, you know, the, your awareness or your consciousness, whatever you call it. And um and and everything else is conscious everything else is constructs within that like mm-hmm. time and your body and all these other things um are existing within that rather than you existing within them mm-hmm. um, and it's a it's just it's just shift in perception in how you see the world and experience the world and it's it really does change everything i remember after listening to that podcast and, and doing some reading as well and just how I started to see things differently. It was, mm. um, it was like a release, you know, mm. it, when you start to, when you start to see that time is something is only a construct that exists within you and that your body is something that's happening within you. Um, it frees you. Mm. Um, I've done a lot of embodiment work and a lot of internal family systems therapy, which basically a lot of that is talking to your body, talking to different parts of your body, having a relationship with your body and, seeing your body as a he or she or they rather than an it. Um, And doing this kind of awareness work has really helped with that because it's almost like my awareness is having this relationship with these parts of my body. Um, Mm. Right. And these are in me, um, but they don't define me or control me. Like, so um, it, it makes it kind of a more transcendent experience. You're having this, experience of your body and relationships with your body uh, or with parts of your body or with wounded parts of your body and doing healing work with them. And you're literally, I mean, internal family systems therapy is literally visualizing you having meetings with parts of your, your brain, traumatized parts of your brain. 
and changing their roles. It's literally rewiring your brain. I remember, like the sen- even the sensation you get in your brain when you're doing it, you can feel the rewiring. And it's mm. um, and going alongside what you talk about, it's um, I think it's revolutionary. Like you say, I think it's this massive shift that we're all gonna we're all gonna see. Um, yeah, it's gonna change the way how we see the world and how we how we how we see spirituality as well and experience spirituality. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think you just nailed one of the, one of the biggest parts of this whole, of, of this whole teaching and this whole awareness talk, which is like realizing sort of establishing and, and resting in that larger identity and resting in the awareness that's aware of James, the awareness that's aware of Trace. It actually helps you then relate and interact with the parts of James, with the parts of Trace even better. It actually, um, it puts you, there's a sort of paradox in realizing that you're beyond the human. It actually um, throws you more into the human and throws you more into life because now you're interacting in life in this more freed up way and you're not interacting with it. When you, when you believe that you're only this body and your identity is only constrained to this body, then you're interacting in the world in a very defensive way. And, and there's a bunch of, there's, there's constant fear and there's constant danger. But when you establish that there's a larger identity, you can now interact in the world in a more relaxed way, in a more relaxed way from a more free place. Um, so like, it doesn't, it doesn't remove us from being the human. It doesn't remove us from all the wonderful things. It doesn't, doesn't take away the pain and the pleasure. It actually throws us more into it. We're now feeling life even deeper, um, now that we've established and now that we've really felt this larger identity. So it's that, it's, it's that interesting paradox because a lot of people sort of hear this stuff and it it feels to them like it's sort of detaching from detaching from life, detaching from the human, but it's actually the opposite. It's throwing us more into it more we're, we're engaging more we're engaging more with our grief we're realizing we're, we're viewing grief more as our teacher and as a process that we feel and we really feel it rather than denying it um we don't detach from it and just deny it um it's it's a really beautiful thing that throws us more into life and now we see the the processes all the things in life the pleasure the pain the processes are all happening within us um and we, and we we view them more we view it from such a radically different perspective than before yeah absolutely yeah and i love what you said about grief there i said that many times on this show and on on um, social media and other places that you know we have to name it we have to name our trauma and our grief because when we do that we take power over it because um and actually that that whole concept has actually grown with me because now i understand that because that when you name it you're actually part of naming it isn't just recognizing it it's it's your consciousness being aware. It's your awareness being aware of it mm-hmm. and seeing it, and not and instead of being controlled by it, actually seeing it and and when you see it, then you have, then you then you have power over it. Um, it. It does. I mean, I knew that that shift already, but from the perspective of awareness, it's um, that's a powerful perspective, a powerful thing, because then you can start to talk to it. You can start to. You know, you can start to share it. So, may share it with therapists or with close friends, and you can talk about it. And as you do that, you're processing it, and you're, you know, you're getting healing. Um, and it's losing, and it's no longer defining you. You are, it's existing within you, and you are working with it. Mm. Um, and that's a whole different experience. And and I've said to many people actually that grief is is not a linear process. It's a circular process, mm. which goes with the shape of the universe. The shape of the universe <laughs> is kind of circular, you know, and things happen circular, like time is bendy, you know, and it, it, it just, I don't think it's a coincidence. Like I've, I've found grief to be circular rather than linear. Um, and other people I know who've 
who've who've lost people um, have had the same experience. That it's a, it's it's not a linear experience, and um, when you embrace it that way, it's uh, as a, as a circular experience. Uh, it's much more it's much more um, healthy and productive and healing. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that just that that process of anytime you name something, anytime you name whether it be um, you know, I feel anger right now. Um, I feel grief. Anytime you've named a feeling or an emotion or something within you, you've, you've demonstrated the fact that you're aware of it because if you've named it, you obviously have to be aware of it to name it. So right there, even, even acknowledging, acknowledging the grief, like naming it, that's the, that's the, that's the a step that a lot of people don't do. They deny it. They repress it. They don't just name it and acknowledge it. And your, your, your connection to make your connection to awareness that you just made is brilliant because, once, when you're actually naming it, you're demonstrating you're, you're demonstrating the fact that you're aware of it. I find the same thing when people talk about, you know, I just want I want my thoughts to quiet down. I want my mind to quiet down, which is always a very interesting comment to me because they're liter- they're they're demonstrating the fact that there's an I that's separate from the mind. There's an I that's separate from the thoughts they want to quiet down. So it's interesting how often we sort of naturally intuit that there's an I that's separate from the things we're feeling. That's separate from what's going on. Um, and that that's, that's a huge first step is just to name it because once we're able to name it, we still feel it and we still go through the grief process. We still, we still feel all the emotions attached, but we're demonstrating that there's, there's an identity that's actually that, that's separate from it and witnessing and aware of it. Um, and that's really the, the, that's the, that's the thing that so many people don't do, but it's really like, it's such a huge step and such a powerful way to deal with what goes on in our life and all the things that happen. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Yeah. And it's strange how it's all connected. <laughs> um, brilliant! It's brilliant how it's all connected. I, I love it because it's just—it's um, all part of that that personal transformation journey and yeah. into awareness. Um, yeah, and um, I love talking about this. Um, I need to talk about this with my friends more. It's just uh, difficult to get get a chance to have a conversation with them about this kind of thing because it's quite deep. But um, I'd love more people to be able to be aware of, of this and um, gain a better understanding of this because it, it can be so uh, as you know and we, we both know that it can be so transformative when, yeah. we, when, we, when we come to this kind of understanding totally and i think i think that's the thing that like it just it's so it's so overlooked by so many people is just the miraculous nature of the fact that we're aware of our experience like there's experience but there's also an awareness of experience like that's that's a, some that's so often just by so many people just taken for granted like duh but like there's not some people don't actually investigate that and like how amazing that is it's just like well you know I'm, things are happening to me life's happening to me i'm feeling things like that's it there's no sort of like wait wait hold on isn't it just let's take a step back and just acknowledge how amazing it is that there's experience but experience is also known there's a knowing element in experience there's an awareness of experience and that to me is the all all the spiritual dis- traditions come back to a come back to um have a have a non-dual lineage and non-duality is the, all this awareness talk we're talking about is is non-duality which is um non-duality is is viewing reality as not two things it's non-dual um so all the spiritual traditions were constantly coming back to um being in the now uh, which is the same as just be, resting as awareness. So the awareness is like the heart of all these spiritual traditions, and it's it's so often uh, overlooked. Um, and it's it's a shame because it's like it's it's this awareness stuff is like at the heart of so many dealing with so many things, and it's the it's really the heart of spirituality. Um, and and I think the the 
in order for a more evolved humanity, a more evolved planet, it's going to be people sort of waking up to this and really exploring this more. Mm, I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, this has been such a great conversation. I yeah. really enjoy this. Um, so fun. Yeah, I hope we can do this again. You can come back. Um, we can go more into a few of these subjects maybe. But um, um, where can people can connect with you and, and your work and things? Yeah, so you can find me at tracebell.com. And that's bell with three L's. So that's T-R-A-C-E-B-E-L-L-L.com. I'm doing, um, I'm doing a talk on how to talk to your kids about spirituality, which still has a bunch of signups available. Um, that's available on my site. I'm also doing a course called uh, Living the Spiral, which is all about spiral dynamics and how to actually um, integrate the health of each of these stages in your own life and actually using spiral dynamics as a tool for our own spiritual journeys and learning how to live integrated mm-hmm. and, and think integrally. Um, so I have, um, there's a couple signups for the next session of that available on my site. Um, you can work one-on-one with me um, on my site, on the work with trace section, you can listen to other podcasts and, and I've done with my dad, other podcasts I've been on, on the audio section. So that's all available on tracebell.com. T R A C E B E L L L.com. Fantastic. And do check that out because there's some great, great stuff on there. Um, yeah. So thanks trace for coming on the show. And, uh, I hope this was, uh, kind of inspiring and, and helpful for everyone who's listening. So, uh, uh, take care everyone. 